Welcome to The Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Audit committees play a central role in ensuring the financial integrity of public companies and consequently serve as a backbone of overall board governance. They also provide a great deal of the oversight for boards on issues like corruption, fraud, and cybersecurity. But how do audit committees impact the culture, ethics, and compliance of major companies? Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Principled Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenberg, LRN's former CEO and now special advisor. I also serve as a board member, governance committee chair, and sit on the audit committee of International Seaways, one of the largest global oil tanker companies. Today, I'm joined by Pat Condon, audit committee chair and board director of Entergy Corporation, an integrated energy and utility company serving millions of customers in Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas. We're gonna be talking about the various issues and priorities of board committees and how they help shape a board's impact on corporate culture. Pat is a real expert in this space, having served as a director and audit committee chair for both Roundies, a leading grocery company, and Cloud Peak Energy, a major U.S. coal producer. A former Big Four accounting partner, Pat has also served on the boards of 501c3 organizations, such as Urban Gateways and the Brother Rice House School Foundation. Pat, thanks for coming on the Principled Podcast. David, I'm happy to be here. Um, As you and I have talked, uh, the role of the Audit Committee has certainly evolved over the years. Uh, I go back long enough that uh, when the audit committees first started, the role was a very narrow one. And uh, uh, we're here to talk about some of the nuances that have evolved over the years. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. That's great. And, and before we dive in too deep, let's just set the stage. Why don't you describe, based on your experience, the sort of overall architecture of what audit committees do and the role that they play? Well, we, uh, you know, the, the the role is oversight of financial reporting and, and the related internal controls behind all of that. Uh, the review of filings, earning releases, et cetera. Uh, a major role that's evolved is risk oversight. And we have oversight of the independent auditor, ethics and compliance. Um, taking on a, a greater role than it probably had uh, years and years ago. Oversight of internal audit, a mission-critical role. Um, interactions with the other committees of the board as well as the uh, management of the company. And some of the committees these days, uh, there are overlaps and responsibilities. And so um, that's an important uh, part, of the, uh, part of the job. And then uh, any kind of external communications that we might do, which is typically in uh, filings uh, with the SEC or otherwise. All of that, by the way, uh, and we're here to talk about things like, you know, about culture. 
And uh, all of that is, plays a role in company culture, as you can well imagine. Now, let's do just a simple thing like uh, internal controls. Well, uh, culturally, is the company weak or strong? Uh, so um, that's, a, that's a mission critical role is the assessment of company culture as it relates to these and many other things. Pat, how have you seen the, the role of the audit committee and the chair change over the time you've been doing that kind of job? Uh, as I said, it's become uh, much more, much broader in scope than, than it was originally. Uh, but, you know, and it's also much more overt in a sense with things like organizational health, when we look at um, uh, ethics and compliance, as, you know, if for one, you know, we, we look at organizational health, workplace violence, employee relations, you know, and you get down to things like, you know, or what's happening as, as a result of changes in the workplace, um, which uh, there have been over the last two years, as we all know, very significant changes. So um, you've mentioned culture and ethics a couple times. You and I were both. Uh, participants in the recent tapestry LRN summits on ethics and culture. Tell us um, how you think about corporate culture and how that informs what you do as a board member and audit chair. I, I think it's a critical role of every board member to do his or her assessment of company culture, not only while you're a board member, but, you know, you think about going onto a board, um, I think an important part of your deliberations is what does the culture feel like? But to me, it's a very mission critical part of a company's uh, existence. Things like the new workplaces they talk about it, the future of work, for example, they are part of an evolving culture, which I think we all have to pay pretty close attention to. And um, while that was changing some over time, uh, I think the, the, the pandemic has sort of accelerated the change. We can certainly see that in who's in the office when and who's doing what and how. You know, introduction of robotics and other things into the workplace, really changing kind of, they, they call that the future of work, but it, it's pretty real and it's happening now. Would you, would you say that um, from when you started as a board member till now, we've move to a point where there are more discussions about culture, ethics, and sort of the outside world than when you began? I, I think we, we talked about it when I began. And again, you know, I spent a lot of time in boardrooms back in my old profession as well, so I can include that. But the, uh, the volume is much louder now than it was before. There are any number of reasons for that, but you can see it in society as well. And you know, most companies are, they do reflect society. To be successful, you better reflect society. And so as things are changing um, in, uh, in, the, in the world in which we live, they're changing in the boardroom as well. And I think, you know, again, you come back to, uh, if you're going to be successful um, as a company, as a board, et cetera, et cetera, the, the, the culture plays such a mission critical role in that for the long term. You can be short term successful with uh, what I'd call uh, less than desirable culture, but I don't think you'll last long. 
So one of the biggest parts of our audience for this podcast are chief ethics and compliance officers and their teams. As an audit chair, what's your advice to them on how best to build a stronger relationship with the audit committee and its chair? Relate. So, you know, I'm not a shy retiring wallflower, nor are I think most of. So the key is to talk. And, you know, I, maybe it's me, but, um, and of course, in my capacity, I need to avoid being management. On the other hand, healthy discussions with the officers, including the chief compliance officer. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty frequent in that. Um, and again, I come back to this two-dimensional world we're living in right now. It's, uh, it's much tougher to make some assessments and therefore, uh, my conversations have probably picked up the pace a little bit because of the lack of face-to-face time that we could spend together. You know, whether <clears throat> whether it's over dinner or or lunch or anything, you just uh, those are those are times when you can, you know, you you can get a good three-dimensional judgment of of character, culture, et cetera. When you think about the chief ethics and compliance officers you've worked with. Um, What's, how's the board view them? Do they have the status of, of other senior officers? Or more importantly, do they have the status they need to be effective? I can't speak for the world, but uh, I can tell you that my experience right now is yes, without question. Um, the relationship to the C-suite, um, in fact, uh, sitting in the C-suite is probably a good way to put it. And then the board is very, 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 very interested in um, in, in what they report out. Um, and, you know, whether it's the results of employee health surveys or anything else, they all play a role in that. And so I would say that, well, certainly every, every one of our board meetings, uh, we get a report. And um, I will have looked at it closely before he had a discussion about it. Do you have a... Do you have a relationship with the chief compliance officer in between board meetings and committee meetings? Probably not as much as the internal auditor, but yes, I, I, I am not afraid to pick up the phone. And I've certainly told her that uh, if she has any reason whatsoever to call me to pick up the phone. And so uh, it, it's a it's a good relationship. And I think it's it, it needs to be. I mean, it, it needs to be a, a crystal clear two way street. Do you see, um, for example, good level of cooperation between, say, internal audit and ethics and compliance, or or can you tell from where you sit? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's uh, where necessary. There's parts where the roles kind of overlap and become, you know, collaborative is the wrong way to put it, but each has a role to play. So uh, at least in what I'm observing, Yes, there's a relationship and it's a strong one, as well as with the uh, other members of the C-suite. So, Pat, here's one of the what I think is one of the tougher questions for for audit chairs and audit committee members. I, I sit on the audit committee at International Seaways and the agendas are just crushing in terms of absolutely mandatory legally required things that, you know, have to be done. So 
My question is, can audit committees pay enough attention to corporate ethics, culture, and compliance? And if your experience with that says the answer is yes, talk a little bit about how you've accomplished that. Well, I try to leverage as best I can all, all of those things. So I'm pretty active when it comes to pre-meeting material interactions. But we don't have, the agendas are, are busy, depending, and especially depending on the time of year. But there's a lot of prep that goes into the meeting on both sides. And optimizing the prep certainly helps, uh, as well as uh, making the reports tell the story they need to tell, but do it in a, in a succinct way. And that, frankly, is evolving, whether you're dealing with ERM or, uh, or, uh, or, or compliance. Uh, the nature of the way we, the, the way the reporting is going is, is, I would say, evolutionary and probably always will be. Um, but the nature of, for example, corporate risk has become much more sophisticated. Part of its technology, part of its uh, the workplace. But so, uh, you know, as well as I and pretty much any other director, how much more education we do, we do these days than we did maybe before. Um, but uh, it's it's incumbent upon the director, in my view, to keep himself or herself current when it comes to rules, regulations, and the state of the art as it relates to all of those roles. You, you said that the reporting is, in this area and other areas, is evolving. Are you feeling like it's becoming more strategic in nature and the board members are getting kind of a deeper sense of what's going on or or not? I, I believe so. Um, and again, I think the fact that we all, nobody, there, you know, typically, and I know you, there aren't many shy retiring wallflowers at, at the board level. And so where anybody feels that sometimes the board, somebody will call me directly and ask about things. Uh, but uh, I think everybody's invited to weigh in on the nature of the reporting that's done. And the questions, you can tell by the questions that uh, the interest level is high in this area. One of the um, series of letters that I hear from almost every board member I talk to is the letter, are the letters ESG. So how, how is your board dealing with ESG? Is it, is it, it, an audit committee matter, a full board matter, someplace else? E, all the above. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, from things like, just take an example, what's reported in the 10K, you know, typically that would not have fallen anywhere in the, you know, it kind of, so sorting out who's going to review it, what, for example, the external auditor might do with some of that, you know, because the nature of a lot of that reporting is, is it's things that weren't there before. So, all of a sudden it was, how do we know that what's going in there is correct? Who's looking at it? So, you know, we sort of parsed, we we know that's been parsed out and, and uh, that it's being done. But uh, uh, part of it is, I come back to, uh, how did, what, what does your company believe its mandate is? So, you know, for utilities right now, um, all of that stuff is incredibly relevant. So whether it's, uh, you know, how are we producing uh, 
every kilowatt hour, uh, whether it's inter interactions with the regulators, whether it's what's the nature of our workforce, what's the composition, how is it by level of the organization? Um, I mean, we do look at every one of those things. And so um, I, I think that uh, uh, at least the companies with which I'm familiar, uh, they had already, before this became, um, before it became a public mandate, it was evolving in the boardroom anyway. So you and I have been involved in a bunch of conversations about corporate culture and particularly how hard it is for boards to get a feel for it and how hard it is for companies to have good measurement and metrics. Um, what's your view on how boards can play a role to focus management's attention on this so that when we talk about culture, we're not just guessing at it, but we have some measures that can be tracked and uh, management can influence them over time in the right direction. I, I think when it comes to the measures, we are at an evolutionary point um, because they've been squishy at best historically. Uh, I do think that more and more companies are having independent uh, reviews of their culture. Having said that, there are so many different aspects to it. Um, I, again, I come back to as a board member, I would take every opportunity I had to, uh, whether it was a, a corporate lunch, a dinner, and, and thank goodness the, the companies with which I've been involved would, in, would invite folks who were not part of the C-suite. And uh, I would you, uh, you know, uh, in addition to the, so, the, the social part of it, I would do my best to, to, get, to ask and gauge the responses about are we culturally, directionally correct, whether, whether it's safety, employee relations, you know, any, end, any, uh, any number of things that embody culture. Um, that was that was my way of kind of assessing it. I don't think the metrics are how would I put this? Uh, there's there's no we have uh, generally accepted accounting principles. Uh, I, I don't think there are any generally accepted ethics principles that you can say, you know, that you would. On the other hand, there are companies who do go in and make cult, those cultural assessments. So I think it's evolutionary. Um, I think all you can do is make sure that. Um, and you can listen to the management team and draw your own conclusions about whether, whether culture is important at, in the C-suite. And in, in my case, fortunately, it is. Um, and, you know, we do frequently have conversations uh, about culture itself. But you get into things like, um, and you know this as well as I, when you've got a lot of contractors, um, you know, you can set the ground rules, but, but they better be reflective of your culture and you better be prepared to impose disciplines when those things, uh, when, when, when things evolve in a way other than you would like them to. So, and, and most companies do use a lot of contractors, but they can influence culture if you're not careful. And uh, if it's positive, it's great. If it's negative, that's something you really need to look for. 
So stepping back a bit um, and reflecting, how do you see the evolving expectations of stakeholders as it relates to major companies and what, what's that mean for boards? You know, the question is, the first thing is, who are your stakeholders? Um, and uh, I think that's also in an evolution because the corporations are more and more considered, I'll call them citizens than they might have been before. And so um, I think the, 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 the world of ESG, people who, uh, who might not hold a share of the company still have a reaction and they can influence you uh, either in your stores or in, but uh, on the other hand, if you're, if you're a necessity, whether you, if you're a power company or any, uh, the stakeholders, the, the, the customer side of it's mission critical. So um, I, I think the stakeholder, uh, the stakeholder evolution is if I can put it that way is, is healthy for society but it's imposing burdens we haven't experienced before. Uh, but having said that, I, I'm, I'm, I am watching mostly positive reactions to that. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody who says something about your company and, and I, you know, uh, is going to portray uh, their perspective. You're, they're, they're not necessarily going to be factual on what they have to say. And so there are times when you're out there kind of uh, talking about, um, t- talking about uh, maybe indirectly uh, that message and what's incorrect about it, or just you know, sometimes you got to be direct. But um, how would I put this? It's probably social media has probably created a lot of perspective that didn't exist before uh, because um, pretty much anybody can have an expert opinion now. And uh, that's kind of sad, but true. Yeah. Um, thinking about all that, uh, what do you think boards need to change to keep up with these evolving expectations? I think you just got to have your ear to the, your ear to the ground at all times, um, as well as your hands and make sure that you're uh, in sync. Um, I think you can look at your, uh, uh, look at other companies and what they're doing. You can uh, certainly you need to be in communication with your stakeholders um, uh, virtually continuously and, uh, you know, evolve as you need to, um, because um, just as human nature has evolved, um, so has the, the, the corporate nature and it will continue to do so. Pat, have you seen on your boards um pressure or expectation for the CEOs to um, take a position on social issues and things going on in the, in the outside world? I think uh, my experience is maybe a fortunate one, but um, the answer to that is yes. And uh, I I believe it's as it should be. And um, you know, uh, it can be a real strength to a company where you've got uh, a CEO who's who's not just aware, but is a believer, if I can put it that way. So, Pat, any closing thoughts you want to leave with our audience about um, 
directors, boards, audit committees, how to how to work with them? You know, we didn't. Uh, you know, the world of cyber um, is not going to go away, and it's something we all need to be tuned into. And you see it every day on the news about invasions of your personal space. But the corporate side, it, it's no different. ESG, mission critical, and uh, I think we just need to look to excel in that area. Um, I forget who it was. Eternal vigilance was forever the price of freedom. But eternal vigilance is something that we, you know, you just got to be tuned in. I think the future of work, um, and we didn't talk about the intergenerational differences as it comes to that, but those are all things that are very, very relevant. And um, there's lots of things published on it. There's lots of things you can attend on it. But I do think it's something you need to tune into. Um, because um, the pandemic and the change in the workplace environment, and I'll, 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 I continue to add, and the introduction, the, almost a virtual concurrent introduction of robotics in certain parts of the business, are really going to change the future of work in a way that we need to stay close to. Well, I think that's a great place to um, wrap up for now. Um, Pat, it's been really great having you on the podcast. We thank you and hope you'll come back again because you certainly outlined a number of issues that are, are worth talking about. I'm happy to. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I have to say I enjoyed preparing for this with you. So <laughs> look forward to doing it again. That's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.